Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. My name is Jason A. Meiske, thriller author, and this is the Sample Chapter Podcast, episode 39. So, we are on a new network. Uh, this is our second episode on the new the new network. It's episode 39, but this is our second one on the new network, and so we may be getting a lot of first-time listeners. So a lot of people might be asking, who are we? What is this show? Uh, well, uh, as it says in the title, this is the Sample Chapter Podcast. This is the show where authors come to do a, uh, we do a short interview, and authors will read a sample chapter from one of their published books. And I emphasize published because every week when you hear a brand new sample from a book, it is a work that is published. So if you like what you hear, if you like that author, you can run right out and buy it right away. Uh, you know, that's one of the uh, one of the key things about this show is I want to make sure that every time you hear one of those, this is not a sample of something I've been working on. What do you think? No, this is a sample from a piece of work that either just came out is about to come out within a couple days, so it's on pre-order, or it, it's already been out. You know, maybe even book one of a series that's now, like, hitting really big. You know, we've had a variety of authors on here since we began back in January, coming up on a year before too long. Oh my gosh, I, I can't believe it's been that much already. Uh, but, I mean, it's every week it's a new author, a new book, and a new sample chapter so you never know what kind of story you're going to hear from week to week. Take last week, for instance. Last week was episode 38 with actress Diane Franklin. It was amazing. It was so awesome. She came on, uh, read samples from both of her books, actually. Uh, they were uh, kind of biographies talking about her time as an actress back in the 80s. Yeah, it was a blast. I, I don't want to go into it too much because you can go back and pull up that episode. But yeah, she was a delight to talk to and I highly recommend you go back and check it out. I think we've put together a really fun show here. And, you know, I, like I said, this is episode 39. So you've got you know, almost that many. I've had a couple of episodes where I've talked for a moment or I've done a review on what our authors are up to at this point. But I think all total, you've got 37 authors. So that's 37 different books for you to go back and look into and see what they have to offer. Because you never know. You, know, you might you might tune in one week and say, well, I don't know who this is, so I don't know if I want to listen to that. Well, that's the beauty of it. None of the episodes are all that long, and you got to hear what the authors are saying. You need to listen to their chapters, because having spoken with the author and then listened to them reading a chapter... One of the fantastic things for me with this show is it's opened up a whole new book and a whole new world to stories that I wouldn't have, have uh, looked into myself and I wouldn't have chosen for myself previously. And I, I am confident in saying every one of the books and every one of the authors who have been on here so far have been outstanding and I've, I've loved every one of these stories. So I think you will too. So like I said, we are now on, I don't, I don't know if I've mentioned it or not already, because um, it's kind of late and I'm getting tired, <laughs> but uh, if I didn't say it already, we are now on Spotify, 
Uh, so that's been really fun getting set up on that and picking up some listeners. Thank you for all of you on Spotify that are checking us out. Thank you to everybody else who's on iTunes and everywhere else that you've been tuning in. Uh, thank you for hanging in there with us with the, the switch over. Uh, thankfully, it turned out you didn't have to change anything. It, all the uh, feeds updated on their own eventually, and and it uh, downloaded the episodes just fine after I after I made the switch. So thank you for hanging in there. Hopefully, it didn't make you wait too much. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you just coming back week after week and listening to this show. It's because of you guys that uh, I get to keep doing this. Uh, you know what? I, I would still be doing it even without listeners because I'm having such a fun time. But yeah, it's it means a lot to me to be hearing back from you, the, the audience, uh, the listeners, corresponding with me and letting me know that, that you appreciate what's going on. I had a few of you. Uh, who reached out to me saying, asking what was what was that about the uh, the mummies from last week in the middle of monologue at the beginning here, I was talking and I got interrupted. Well, that's my uh, my mm, I got to be careful what I say here. That's my the G O G L E home. Uh, well, you know what? I'll introduce you. Hey Google, what's the name of my podcast? You told me that your podcast's name is Sample Chapter Podcast. That's right. And what's my name? Your name is Ruggedly Handsome and the greatest fisherman of all time, the one and only Jason. Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> yes, I have a lot of fun with my with my home. Uh, but we have several of them located around the house, and we've figured out right away that we can use them as a speaker system throughout the house to uh, as an intercom. And we had plans that night for... I, I, I was due to start cooking dinner any time. And so they were hollering down for me uh, right in the middle of me recording. And originally I was going to edit that out, but, you know, I think it's I think it's fun. You know, it gives you, the listeners, a little bit of insight uh, besides just my writing life and me being here as your host. Uh, it gives you a little bit of insight into, uh, you know, my family. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, they're right upstairs uh, waiting on me. You know, some of you heard a few weeks back when my granddaughter came on here with me and uh oh gosh yeah it was a it was a really fun time but anyway so yeah you can check all check us out on spotify and itunes we are also on facebook and twitter so you can go in there and find our page and like us that way you can get tuned in every week uh, we do up, uh, updates regularly with uh, a new episode it gets that gets shared a few times each week on both of those platforms and each week we do a throwback thursday to a previous episode so I think, uh, see, we're on episode 39 for this one. I think we're on a throwback Thursday to like episode 17, I think is coming up this week. I'm not too sure. I, I've got a graph I'll have to refer to later on. But yeah, but, but that's fun too, to uh, go back and, and make sure to share old episodes. So that way you can, uh, you can check out somebody that you may not have uh, heard before. This week, though, I want to make sure and talk about this week. Uh, well, I call him a wild and crazy guy because <laughs> he reminds me a little bit of um, of a young Steve Martin from back in the '70s and '80s, with his whole uh, his whole attitude, the way he he behaves, and then his stories. You're gonna hear, <laughs> oh my gosh, this guy he writes in the bizarre range, and it's like it's not just bizarre stuff, but it's like so bizarre that it's hilarious. Uh, it's uh, just awesome stuff. You're, you're going to love it. 
He's also the host. Oh, I haven't told you the name yet, have I? <laughs> Speaking of bizarre, I'm going to move right along. Who is it? Who's the guest? Uh, yeah, but his name is Frank Edler, otherwise known as Mr. Frank, from the Bazong podcast over on Project Entertainment Network, our friends over there. You know, Frank podcast on theirs comes out every week and just has some outstandingly outrageous stuff week after week. Uh, you got to go over there and check out his show. Uh, but it's also on iTunes. It's on the Project Entertainment Network. You can find it in lots of places. And he's also got pages on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. The guy's story had me cracking up a few times. Fortunately, I figured out how to split our audio now, so my mute button doesn't work. So if I'm laughing in the background, you didn't get to hear it because I took it out. But, oh my gosh, yeah, I was choking up a couple times as he's reading. Um, you know, one of the other really cool things about Frank was, as we got to talk to is, you know, he had a, he has a really great philosophy on reviews, uh, which is he's not going to, he's not going to beg for them. He's not going to ask you for them. If you want to leave a review, by all means, go right ahead. Feel free. He believes in leaving reviews himself. It's the same attitude I've got towards it that I believe in reviewing everything, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a book. I, I thought that was really cool for him to share that part of it instead of a... Or sometimes we hear from authors that want to make sure and talk about it, leave a review. And I do talk a lot about make sure you go and leave a review for this author. Sometimes I ask for a review on the podcast. But, you know, it, it's uh, I think uh, he's got a, a solid way of thinking that I think if, if a reader or a listener enjoys what they're hearing, they're going to be inclined on their own to leave a review. And I think that was awesome of him to talk about. You know, that was it was really cool. But you know what? Enough of me talking about it. Let's get us on over to the interview with Mr. Frank Edler. And hello, everybody. It's another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Today, I have... Man, I've got quite the treat for you today. I got a guy who walks that fine line between horror and comedy. Mr. Frank himself, host of the Bizong Podcast, and just a wild and crazy guy, Mr. Frank Edler. Frank, welcome to the show, man. Oh, thanks for having me on. Pleasure to finally be a part of the Sample Chapter Podcast. <laughs> you are too nice. Check is in the mail, man. Nice. <laughs> Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Mr. Frank, uh, Frank J. Edler from the Bazong Podcast, and I also like to write. Uh, my writing resembles the Bazong Podcast in so much as uh, my podcast focuses on bizarro and weird fiction, uh, a genre of bizarro that I've come to love reading it over the past few years, and uh, I wanted to uh, to do my best to wave the flag for this this really cool new genre out there, uh, and my writing takes on a weirdness as as well as a result of it, but uh, by and large, my writing, I really consider horror comedy and stuff like, like, um, uh, like Bill and Ted's bogus journey, like Saturday, the 14th going way back when not to date myself too much. And, uh, you know, Tucker and Dale versus evil. That's, uh, that's the sort of feel my books get. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I've been running through your catalog here lately. Uh, I'm going to make sure and pick up a few of these because these, the, the titles alone are cracking me up, man. I mean, you got. Brats in Hell, Death Gets a Book, and then your newest one, Scatterbrain. Tell us about Brats in Hell. 
Brats in hell. <laughs> or brats in hell. It is right. double. <laughs> brats in hell. It just, just hit me. <laughs> <laughs> brats or brats. It is, it, it is, it is tricky because it is really, when it comes down to it, um, the battle for control of hell fought with bratwursts. I mean, that, that's the simple slug line is you got, you got the two, there's two battling armies of demons in hell. You got Satan and his army of, of demons and Satan's brother. The rightful owner of the throne of hell, um, battling for control when Otto Vandernoodle, the Bratwurst King of Milwaukee, accidentally gets cast into hell. Um, and, and uh, the whole thing is, is Satan in hell has this place called Hell's Kitchen where he makes Bratwurst. And that really keeps all the demons alive because they know if they don't uh, keep Satan happy, uh, they'll be hell to pay. Uh, so Otto, when he winds up in hell accidentally, um, his uh, Satan's brother gets control, uh, finds Otto and takes control of him. Starts making his bratwurst, which are actually better than Satan's. So this is, uh, you know, it tips the balance of uh, power in hell, and a giant uh, war ensues for control of hell. It's it's um it's a romance. Yeah, sounds like it exactly. Perfect. Where where does where does inspiration for something like this come from? <laughs> you know, that's a funny one because it really was just. I'm just trying to find something kooky, you know, something <laughs> something horror based like, oh, you know, it'd be cool to to have a story about the, the demons in hell, maybe fighting, for, you know, having a war um, and just like what's the oddest thing I could come up with. And I don't know what made my mind snap to it, but it was like bratwursts, like that's something weird. And then I like played with the, you know, the brats in hell story and that kind of almost, you know, solidify the fact I'm, I'm writing this, this weird story about it. And, you know, really, I dare you to go onto Amazon or, or Barnes and Noble and find somebody else who's writing a, a bratwurst story. <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah. I, I'm just waiting to hear that, uh, like Adam Sandler or somebody has uh, reached out to you to buy the, buy the rights. Well, you know, it was, it was really funny as I, I was getting in the finishing touches done on brats in hell and, and getting the book out of the cover all put together, I see Kevin Smith, the filmmaker, uh, announced he's putting out a movie called Yoga Hosers, in which it features tiny little bratwurst Nazis <laughs> running around. Like, And I'm like, did this son of a bitch just steal my idea? How is this possible that he stole my idea? Now, they are pretty different, but, you know, it is kind of weird that there were two strange things, one movie, one book that came out right around the same time, that features uh, hellish uh, bratwurst things. So uh, great minds think alike, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I remember in junior high, uh, one of my friends and I, we had, uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was huge. You know what? We're gonna make our own comic strip. We'll call it Indiana Bones. Yeah, he's a skeleton, and he makes a little robot companion, and we'll call him. Oh, we'll call him Short Circuit. And I kid you not, a year later. The movie Short Circuit comes out, and we were convinced that there were people at our school spying and picked up on our idea and stole it from us. And it, we were just like, oh, my gosh, who did we talk to? How do we find out who to get a hold of? And Sue, Steve Gutenberg or somebody, you know, Ali Sheedy or whoever it was that took yeah. our idea. So. Yeah, it's so frustrating. I was I was convinced in high school that uh, I was the guy who invented the, the, the fake name Seymour Butts, you know. <laughs> I, I never heard that before. And then I put it out there to all my friends in middle school. And then all of a sudden, Seymour Butts is all on the TV and all. So I, I felt ripped off there. So, uh, but I have no, you know, I have no IP on that. I can't go back to prove it to the government. So 
I, I let it go. But just know that you do have the guy who invented the name Zemar Butts on your podcast right now. There we go. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, I introduce you to Seymour Butts. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, – I want to hear about Death Gets a Book. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, that was um, – the first thing I put out was a, a short story collection called Scared Silly. Um, so Death Gets a Book was my first real full-length novel, uh, novella, depending on what your definition of, of it is. Uh, but that really comes from – the uh, the first story I ever had published uh, was a short story called Death Gets a Life, uh, which um, a, a writer put out a, a call for he just wanted stories about death. Uh, it was a little writing contest where the prize was uh, you get your story published in, in, at the end of his book. He, he's a, he was like a mystery crime guy. It was a story about somebody who, who uh, if they touch dead bodies, they get a a glimpse of, uh, you know, that, that unfinished business they have. That was the book was called Unfinished Business. Mm-hmm. So he made a call, uh, contest, give me short stories about death. And, of course, everybody else submitted uh, stories about, you know, guys, soldiers dying in the field, their grandmas dying, really downtrodden, horrible, sad horror stories. And here I come with Death Gets a Life, which was a story about a grim reaper who's working in Florida and is so o- overwhelmed by the large elderly population in Florida that it just becomes impossible to do his job because people are dying left and right, and he gives it up. Um, and, and and so now all these, without the Grim Reaper collecting souls, all the, all the old people are just like piling up on the beach. Nobody's dying. They're just, and the beach just becomes overrun with old people, and there's a guy that wants to surf, but he can't even get to the, he can't get to the ocean because there's old people um, so he goes and knocks on the Grim Reaper's door and says, like, what are you doing, dude? I got to go surf and you're not doing your job. And, uh, he finds that the Grim Reaper is really depressed about his job and is not into it. And, uh, so, uh, the surfer guy takes death out on the town, gets him laid, gets him drunk. And, uh, and by the end, death feels great about it, uh, buys a cruise ship and takes all the old people off of Boca Raton. And, uh, the guy can surf happily ever after that one story. Um, and I really had like a really good reaction. I, I was kind of, you know, it's just a dumb short story in somebody else's book. But I had a lot of people read it and, and say, that's great. I, I would love to read more of that. Uh, so when it came time to sit there and say, what am I going to really write a, a full length book about? It just seemed natural to write about my character, Death. Um, so this Death in Death Gets a Book is not quite the same Death. As it turns out, there's a whole is a whole uh, like union of deaths. Everybody's the Grim Reaper. So when Death gets a book, it's it's a guy who uh, dies unexpectedly, him and his wife, and uh, they become Death, and, and his wife becomes uh, a banshee. And they were, you know, the, the guy was just kind of browbeaten by his wife his whole life. So he was kind of happy to be dead and, and away from her. And uh, So he's the Grim Reaper now, and he just kind of gets shoved into the job. Here's your cloak, here's your sky, here's the book. Go get these, uh, go get these souls. So he's kind of bumbling through that while his wife is not about to let him get away that easy. So she's a screaming banshee that, uh, basically steps in, steals the souls that he collects and, and makes his afterlife miserable as well. And, uh, it's a whole story about him navigating through the afterlife as the Grim Reaper. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is great. This is fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to assume you've got like, like most writers, you've probably got a couple of uh, notebooks full of 
outlandish, crazy stories just building up, waiting for you to fill them out and make novels out of. I, I try not to fill up a book because it, it would be frustrating. It would be frustrating for me to, to, to put all that down and, and what's next. And, and so while I'm writing something, writing my next book, I try to just just focus on that, not let the ideas pile up behind it. I, I'm not one that's ever short on ideas, so you know I, I'm okay not thinking too much about other things I want to write. And I just kind of focus on the thing I'm writing at the moment. So I don't really load up. I'm just more or less working on that next thing and, and trying not to let other ideas get in the way of the, that book I'm working on. <laughs> That's awesome. Before we move into uh, to your upcoming book, Scatterbrain, uh, tell the audience about Bazong. How long have you been doing this? Uh, some of your highlights from this. Well, Bazong star, I, I, before Bazong, I, I was podcasting just with a buddy of mine. Um, just, you know, just two friends kind of riffing. Uh, and, and and we did it for a while, and it wasn't uh, – I got really into podcasting. My friend was not quite dedicated, and so I really wanted to do something more on the, on a regular basis. Uh, so the opportunity came up where I was approached uh, by – well, it wasn't Project Entertainment Network at the time. It was a different uh, owner and stuff, uh, but they wanted, they wanted a bizarro – uh, podcast. They wanted to focus on Bizarre. They were getting a lot of uh, literary-based uh, podcasts. They have Brian Keene's podcast on their network. So they had the horror stuff. They were looking for Bizarro. And for somehow, uh, it just through people I know and whatnot, I, you know, hey, I know a Bizarro guy. So, and, and uh, it was Armand Rosamilia. And um, he, he just uh, said, hey, the guy uh, on the network is looking for a uh, Bizarro podcast. You want to do it? Of course you say yes. You never say no. And, uh, and and therein was the the birth of the podcast. Uh, like I said at the beginning, I, I discovered this bizarre fiction quite on accident almost. But I read it and I was like, "What the hell was that? That was such." It was like the first thing I read was about a, a, a fetus beauty pageant. <laughs> it, you know, it, it was crazy with ultrasounds and dresses. It was really wacko. And I, I was like, "What the heck was that?" And you just, you know, get to the internet. What, what was it? I just reading because it wasn't horror. And uh, come to find out this whole uh, genre called Bizarro. And, and it's really, you know, you think my stories are weird sounding? You should check out some of the Bizarro stuff because it is really off the rails, unhinged, untethered. And I love that. I love that you're never going to find, uh, you know, an old, tired story rehashed over and over again in Bizarro. It's really whacked out. There's no rules. Uh, so I became a huge fan of it. I really found it hard to write, but I love to read it. So I wanted to do, you know, I want to do a podcast and, and have these people who are writing this bizarre stuff, uh, give them some sort of spotlight. And, and thus was born Bazong, the Bizarre and Weird Fiction podcast, which some people were like, how is, you know, because Bizarro seems like to most people from the outside a small, real niche type of, of a genre. And it is to a degree. So the fact that I'm now doing this over two years, over 130 episodes, uh, is astounding to those who are maybe naysayers. Like, how are you able to get 130 people uh, that write bizarre? I didn't even know that many people existed, but uh, it's sort of a, a badge I wear because, uh, you know, I, I know the, the genre is, is that big and, and uh, doing my part to, to spotlight it and bring it to the forefront uh, 
you know, I hear a lot of people that listen to it discover Bazong, discover Bizarro, and they curse me out because week after week they're buying all these crazy books they hear uh, with these authors. So uh, I just uh, I'm real happy where the podcast has gone in two years. Yeah, that that's really awesome. I mean, it's like I said, I, until learning about the uh, Project Entertainment Network uh, with Armand and such, I hadn't heard about your show before. But now it's and I thought, oh well, what is this thing? You know, I started tuning in checking it out and uh and i gotta say one of your episodes you did a while back with when you covered the uh, beers and fears tour you were amazingly humble and it was just awesome to hear somebody broadcasting out there and it was you know this guy's great that guy's great you gotta check out his books and you know and you're doing this in every episode so i mean you this is awesome man you got a fantastic show it's fun to listen to week after week and I love that you've got this this niche. You know, that's what makes it successful, I think. You, you've got a niche. It's not just, well, this week um, I'm going to talk about, you know, whatever. You know, this this happened to me down the road. And next week we'll see what else happens. You know, it's you got you got something to stick with every week, a niche that, that people come back for. And you got a good thing going, man. Yeah, I, I, I'm just – I'm really kind of uh... – Awestruck sometimes, you know, when I get when I get out to, to like a beers and fears or a scares of cares convention, and uh, I actually get the people coming up and and saying like, oh hey, I listened to it, and you know, almost like your, your situation where I was listening to other podcasts on the network, and I kept hearing people talking about this bizarre, and I checked it out, and I didn't know this existed, and now I'm I'm buying all these crazy books, and I love it now and everything. I mean, that's that's why I set out to do the podcast, so to hear that's working. Is uh, is just fantastic. Yeah, well, that, that's something that you and I have in common. Is we're both in a position with our podcast that we are spending a lot of money on books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So tell us about uh, Scatterbrain, your your new book coming up. Well, Scatterbrain, you know, I, I went from from uh, the, the the Grim Reaper, and then I had the the demons and the, and the Bratwurst. So you know, I said I had to sit there and say, where do I go from here? What do I do next? Um, I, I sort of have a thing, you know, where I get these, you know, Grim Reapers or demons and just these otherworldly sort of monsters, and and I wanted to continue that tradition, and you know, and I want to, I don't want to do a zombie, I don't want to do a vampire, I don't do a Frankenstein. They're all people expect that. That's one of the things I want to try and do something unexpected. And I thought there was always back in the day you'd see these like movie creature feature things, and there was always one real old. I think it was probably from the 50s, uh, about these these killer brains. Uh, the fiend without a face. And, and it, it, you know, that was it was not the greatest movie, but the, the brains and everything were always so cool and stuff. And I thought to myself, well, that's unexpected, a, a killer brain stuff. Like, nobody's writing killer brain stuff. And, and so, like, I can do that. I want to take that on. I want to I wanna do, like, a B-movie feel killer brain story. And that that's... You know, I said, that's all right. That's what I'm doing now. Sit down, get to writing it. And of course, it's never just a just a cheesy B movie. Mine is is it's not the focus on the humans. Scatterbrain is focused on the killer brains. You know, everybody sees the, the killer brains killing people and it's all about people surviving and getting into the human characters with scatterbrain. It's all about the killer brains and and being perceived as monsters. And that's screwed up. I'm just trying to eat people and and live my life or I'm going to starve to death and it's kind of wrong that we're getting this bad rap. It's just, you know, 
it's like we're lions on the savannah. We just got to do what we got to do. I just eat a person every now and again and leave me alone. And, and, and Killer Brains, uh, the, the uh, titular character Scatter, he's Scatter Brain, first and last name. Uh, he's, he's like a, a coming-of-age teenager. You know, he's, he's like a 17-year-old kid, and his parents are giving him shit. Stop running around all day long chasing people and eating them. Why don't you go get a job? And, and, and they're giving him grief about that. So it's really a story about killer brains from a killer brain perspective and, and, and from, you know, killer brains have lives too and they have hardships and they got to fight through it all. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the scatterbrain in a nutshell. Outside of the, uh, the evil villain who is uh, Dr. Justin Case, a show tunes, a Broadway show tunes singing neurosurgeon who's out, uh, to get scatter. You know, that's the, that's the rub. I can tell already that uh, here in a little bit, when you start reading, I'm gonna really regret that my mute button does not work. So I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try really hard not to be laughing in the background. Right on. I'll, I'll read a boring chapter. <laughs> oh no! Don't you dare! Don't you dare! <laughs> the audience will come after both of us. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Now that comes out uh, October 12th. So by the time this episode comes out, everybody can go ahead and go grab it right away and. Uh, pick up a copy because i know i'm going to be grabbing one awesome yeah I, I i like that when people buy books that's really the best part of writing <laughs> when people buy the book you don't even have to read it i'm going to be honest as long as you buy it <laughs> there you go right it'd be nice right that would be good that would be good because then they can leave a review on goodreads and over on amazon and, and tell all their friends about it oh yeah people can review my stuff <laughs> <laughs> That's the hardest thing for a, a writer. I find it so difficult to, uh, I'm not one to beg. I hate to beg for reviews. I'm not the guy who's going to put that in the back of the book and saying, you know, the lifeblood of an author is reviews. I don't, I don't think that's fair. I feel funny doing it. Um, I think people have already dropped their hard earned money on, on the book and, uh, that, that's all they owe me, you know, uh, I review everything I read and I do that as a service to other readers and not, I don't do it for, for the writers. You know, I do it as a service to people who read the book and they can, you know, take my review or all the reviews in the book in total and decide if that book's right for them or not. So I don't ever as an author implore people to, to leave reviews for my book, although it would be wonderful. Uh, I kind of just, you know, let that, uh, let that be on, on the reader. Well said. That was really not good, man. It's the mic, oh, because then I don't I don't guilt people to leave and review. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, where can uh, where can people find you online, man? Well, of course I'm on Facebook the, with the, the facebook.com slash Frank J. Edler. I'm on Twitter at NJ Metal. I'm on Instagram probably NJ Metal too. Um, and and just uh you can hashtag scatterbrain. I'm tagging everything, hashtag scatterbrain. And you'll find me. I'm there. And of course go to the Project Entertainment Network and look for Bazong and listen to that. You're definitely gonna find me there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Everybody needs to get out there, find the Bazong podcast and subscribe and uh yeah, you got everybody's gotta check this out and at least listen to a few episodes because once you get you're locked in for good. You're gonna keep coming back. So <laughs> Yep. Well, Frank, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you coming on, man, and I can't wait. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab a drink real fast before you start reading, because otherwise I'm gonna spit take all over my computer. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, I am ready when you are, ladies and gentlemen. 
Mr. Frank Edler with Scatterbrains. The humans fled in terror and the killer brains pursued. There was chaos in the streets. Women shrieked, children cried, and men were devoured. Killer brains were merciless. Worse than common street thugs, they worked their way through the city block by block, eating whatever human could not get out of their way fast enough. They did not do it for financial gain or territory nor pride. They did it because they were killer brains, and that's what they did. Scatter loved the hunt, traversing the city block by block, stalking the prey with his pack. The primal urge made his system drool with adrenaline. Killing and eating humans was his life. He could dream of nothing else more important in this world than doing what his instincts drove him to do. Scatter and his pack had become the most feared of all killer brains in the city. They were fast, they killed with impunity, and those who managed to avoid their rampage lived to tell the tale and spread the fear across the city like a silky spiderweb of jitters. What made Scatter's pack so effective were the tactics. Scatter himself was always thinking one step ahead of the humans. He effectively coaxed groups of fleeing humans into dead ends and dark alleys. He was able to strategize, breaking the pack up into smaller units, flanking hordes of humans before the attack would start. Scatter began the attack from one direction and sent the people running straight for the other part of the pack, flanking the prey around the corner. But Scatter was far too wrapped up in the hunt to stop and realize his importance to the pack. Without him, they lacked a certain drive to aim and murder to the level they did under his tutelage. The rest of Scatter's pack fed off of his energy, and in turn, they were able to feast on the human's energy in the form of calories. Scatter thought it was all about the shoes. He'd had his trusty black and white canvas all-stars on for as long as he could remember. He never took them off. They were the locks of Thor laced to his nor limbs. His pack depended on him, but he depended on his all-stars. As the sun set on the day of another bountiful hunt, Scatter gathered with his pack of killer brains behind a convenience store. Great job out there today, Jeff. You really had them howling, Scatter commended. Thanks, Scatter. Couldn't have done it without you. That trap we laid down by the river was friggin' brilliant. Scatter, you should have a playbook. You can make millions selling it, said another killer brain. Ah, thanks, Chase, but you know, I can't write. I don't have the spinal cord for it. That's bullshit, Scatter, Jeff said. You can do anything you put your mind to. They all laughed at the cheesy brain humor. Jeff was the clown of the pack always. They said their goodbyes for their night and broke up and headed to their respective homes for the evening. Scatter, where have you been? Do you know what time it is? Have you been out all day with your friends? Scatter's mother asked, though she wasn't asking so much as accusing. Yeah, Ma, we've been out hunting all day. I thought you'd be happy. Scatter's bulbous eyes sagged. Scatter, there's more to life than eating humans all day long. But we're killer brains, Ma. What else am I supposed to do? Scatter whined. You could start by getting a job. Your father and I have worked hard to put a roof over your head in one of the most overpopulated cities in the world so you could live a better life than we had. You're all grown up now. You need to understand that there's more to life than chasing people around all day long. Ah, but Ma, I'm really good at it. We're really good at it. My pack and me. As long as I have my all-stars, I am unstoppable. We can take this thing global if we just concentrate and practice every day. Scatter's mother rolled her eyes. Schiffer, tell your son there is more to life than chasing people in smelly sneakers. 
You're supposed to hunt because you need to, not because you want to. There's more to life than chasing people, his father echoed in a disinterested monotone. Dad, you are the one who taught me everything I know about hunting the humans. I thought this is what you wanted from me. You must have wanted this for yourself before you just gave up and gave into the system. You're just jealous of my all-stars, both of you, Scatter spat. Scatter saw the anger boil to his father's frontal lobe. His father turned red, and he rose from his easy chair and faced down his son eye to eye. I sacrificed a lot of dreams to make a life for you better than I ever could have had. I had to grow up in the suburbs. Do you know what it's like to live in an area with sparse population density? We couldn't just saunter down the street finding building after building loaded to the gills with humans. No, we had to wait for carnivals and open-air markets and, worst of all, outdoor theater to get a decent hunting opportunity. And still, there were not nearly as many people to eat as I've provided for you on a one-block radius. You ungrateful little shit. You better straighten up and do as your mother tells you before I start lobotomizing your ungrateful ass. Is that understood? Get your head out of those filthy sneakers or I'll do it for you. The wall shook with the thunder of his father's fury. Yes, sir, Scatter said and trudged off to his room, deflated. Scatter skulked into his room. His all-star scraped along the floor, making a sound as depressed as Scatter felt. He made his way over to his desk by his bed and used one of his neuro appendages, which dangled next to his spinal cord like dreadlocks, to flip open his laptop. His three other neuro appendages began to click away at the keys. He navigated his way to the Internet's top job listing site, whydontyougetajob.com. Scatter boiled as he entered in his search criteria. Even the name on the website upset him. It was clearly invented by some well-to-do college kid who had no sense of adventure and got his jollies off trying to facilitate jobs for people lower than him, whom he and his family made their fortunes on. This was the way of perpetuating a bunch of lackeys for which he would carry on his father's long-running tradition of keeping the hard-working people down while he lived a good life. Scatter clicked off some job categories he thought might best suit his needs. Chef, criminal justice, security, management, and sales. Why did he have to have a title, he lamented. The other killer brains in his pack didn't have to go looking for jobs. Their families were content to let them just be killer brains. They did feel their offspring needed to pay it forward and understood what it took to get them the life they had today. Their parents provided that life for them, and they were happy to see them bask in it. Scatter watched as the latest batch of job entries scrolled up the screen. He began scanning them one by one. His ego deflated each entry that seemed more lame than the last. Wanted. Full-time security. Overnight's a must. No experience necessary. Willingness to die to protect cheap goods produced in South Korea a must. No long-term advancement opportunities. To apply, call, scatter past that one over. He didn't want to get shot protecting fidget spinners and as-seen-on-TV goods. Plus, if he had to work overnights, it would definitely cut in on his daytime marauding of the humans. Next, wanted crazy managers to replace lazy managers. Sell perfume out of the comfort of the trunk of your car to unsuspecting passerby. Opportunity for more money than you can shake a stick at if you survive our no-expense-paid three-year seminar on underhanded sales techniques. Those with poor hygiene encouraged to apply. Scatter blinked in disbelief. Did people really get suckered into this shit? He couldn't even begin to count the number of idiots he ate with reckless abandon when they were ignorant enough to stop him and try to sell him knockoff perfume. 
So they were so browbeaten with hack sales techniques that they couldn't ever see the danger in front of them. Pass wanted Girl Guy Friday to do Girl Guy Friday stuff. This includes doing Girl Guy Friday stuff on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Fridays are also required. We'll train the right candidate on Tuesday afternoon. Call. Scatter always wondered what the fuck a Guy Girl Friday was. He was left perplexed, and it was only Monday. He scanned on. Wanted. Fry cook for a second-rate fast food joint. Flexible hours. Plenty of room for advancements. Uniforms provided. Must be drug and flea free. Can start right away. Now, here was an opening that appealed to his scatterer's needs. He could set his own hours so the job wouldn't interfere with the human hunting. He always fancied himself an amateur chef, too. He was always toying with slow-cooked human brisket recipes or deep-fried human thighs with glazed human liver pate. He'd come up with a really delicious stuffed human head for the barbecue, and his human bacon and potato casserole always wowed the other guys in the pack. Scatter noted the phone number to call for the fry cook job. Slightly bolstered by the possibility of a job that would work for his favor, he turned off the lights in his room and went to sleep. He would call for the job first thing in the morning. And that was Mr. Frank Edler reading a sample chapter from his newest book, Scatterbrain. It is available now. Make sure you go out and grab yourself a copy. It's in the show notes if you want to find out where you can get one. Also in the show notes are all of his links for his Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Get on over to his podcast, The Bazong Podcast. It's well worth your time. It was so much fun talking with him. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad to uh, call him a new friend. So make sure you, uh, you like us and subscribe wherever it is that you're listening. So that way next week you can catch a new author, a new book, and a new sample chapter. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye.